0: All right, trust, it's fun. So, yeah, so as Cody said, so last week I started this whole series, mini series, I guess. Is Is that how it works? On trust. And so I shared about how we know that we can trust God because He shows us that He speaks truth, which makes Him worthy of trust. That we can then depend on Him to deliver on His promises or to guide our path because He's proven that He is trustworthy which is really good um, until we get to the point where we realise that, you know, we realise we're human beings and we have free will and, you know, we tend to, you know, do a little bit of what we want or, I mean, sometimes it's, you know, it's what we think is right, you know. we've You know, we've heard from God, so we go and just, just do what he said. We don't bother to go, like, double-check that, though, you know. Or, oh, I got a word 20 years ago. Do you want to confirm that? Sometimes we just, we get a little bit lost with that. Um, and I know I've definitely had that happen before. Um, bit of a close call, I think. I think I saved it in time, though. But so it was, I was thinking about it, and it was a bit scary to think about. But it was about 15 years ago, um, and I just hate the fact that I can say 15 years ago, and it wasn't like I was in primary school. Um, no, I was at um, I was at the Phenomena Youth Conference in Sydney, which was really good. Um, having a great time, you know feeling spiritual, doing all those things. Um, And they were advertising for scholarships to go to C3 College. And so, you know, in the mood, prayed about it, spoke to my leaders, got, you know, wisdom from people who I trusted, and I decided to apply. And fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know, I didn't actually get the scholarship, but then they still offered me a place at college. And so, um, you know, that was about April one year. So then, you know, kind of... January, February of the next year, I packed up my life into the back of my little uh, car at the time, which was a Mazda MX-6 for you rev heads out there. It was so cool. Had a sunroof. Somehow I managed to fit a lot of stuff into the back of a very small car, and with Dad and I, we drove across the country to Sydney and, you know, set up my life pretty well there, you know, transferred my job that I had with Coles, I had my car, I had a place to live, I was going to college, it was great. You know, after about a month, though, of course, my car decided that it didn't like driving 1,400 kilometres across the country in summer. Um, Look, maybe I should have... Maybe there's something to do with, you know, maintenance in there as well, but... That's somebody else's problem now. Um, But, you know, it was fine because I'd made friends, and more importantly, I'd made friends who had cars... Um, And, you know, so I organised lifts and, you know, I started doing life there and made great friendships, friendships that I've got to this day. I I learnt a lot, I leaned in hard to that college life, I was having a great time, I was, you know, doing as much as possible, probably too much. But, you know, doing the creative stream, so it's essentially, it's like going to gigs all the time, but it's always your friends playing in bands, but they're also all really good. So it's not just like, oh, cool, I'll come and watch you perform. But it's actually like, I want to be there. And so then I, you know, started getting involved and I played in the young adults band. I played in the kids band. There was a couple of third years who, you know, asked me to play in the senior recitals. It was all going great. I was like, yes, this is it. You know, got it all, got it all planned. Yep, what I'm going to do for mine. So I didn't really think about, like, by the time the year was up, I just assumed I would keep going. Um, didn't really stop <laughs> at all. Just went, yep, sure, this is it. This is the new normal. Um, you know, it was kind of the plans were, do I come home for Christmas? How long do I come home for? That that was about as far as I got. Um, but then I got a call from Pastor Chris and Vicky. And so the interesting thing was that they had been praying about it, um, which probably was something I should have done, but didn't. Um, and, you know, they definitely said, you know, God had told them something, and so encouraged me to pray about it. So at that point, I did. Um, unfortunately, what God Told me was the same as what he told them. So I think there's a little bit of collusion happening there, but that's okay. But, you know, basically what God was telling me was that things weren't going to go the way that I was planning. You know, I was just going to keep doing. And he was like, No, that's not where I want you to go. It's where I wanted you to be, but it's not where I want you to stay. And, you know, life doesn't always go the way we planned it. You know, we've seen that a lot lately. Obviously, there's there's lots of lovely moments where, you know, restrictions change or there's border closures and all of that sort of fun stuff happens. But honestly, like, hasn't, hasn't that always happened? Hasn't there always been things that don't go to plan, you know? your car breaks down, or your battery goes flat, or you get in an accident, or maybe you hurt yourself, or, you know, there's a relationship that breaks down, or you lose your job, or you didn't get the job you wanted, or you get a bad test result, or a diagnosis. Maybe you just really wanted to go out somewhere for lunch, but that restaurant doesn't open on Mondays, you know. Maybe you were going somewhere, and you had to take a detour, and you were late. Maybe there was a water main that's broke, or the power went out, you know, like, there's all sorts of things happen that ruin our plans and sometimes they happen to us sometimes they happen to other people people we love but like essentially life happens and we can't do anything about it we can't control what actually happens but we need to learn how do we keep trusting God through that when life has us asking the question is God trustworthy is he faithful we need to know how do we respond to that Because we can't control the situations that are making us ask that, but we can look at our reaction to it. So I guess the question is, what does it look like to trust God in the middle of this? And so, you know, some of our favourite friends in the Bible, you know, the Israelites, they were, some of them, sometimes they were really good at trusting God, sometimes they weren't so good at it. Um, And we see some really great pictures of that, especially throughout the Old Testament. But, you know, the other thing is, when all the things happen, you know, often we want to have this reaction and we think we shouldn't. You know, we should just trust God and just be happy. But if we actually look at the Bible, especially like a lot of the Psalms, essentially it's angsty teen poetry. And so I think it's, it's really important to read it and read it in the context of what it's telling us, that these are people who lived and walked with God and this is their reaction to what happens in their life sometimes. And so I just want to read you a little bit of Psalm 88, because I think it's probably the perfect example. So it says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day. I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer. Listen to my cry. For my life is full of troubles and death draws near. I am as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have left me among the dead, and I lie like a corpse in the grave. I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Your anger weighs me down with wave after wave you have engulfed me. You have driven my friends away by making me repulsive to them. I am in a trap with no way of escape. My eyes are blinded by my tears. Each day I beg for your help, O Lord. I lift my hands to you for mercy. Are your wonderful deeds of any use to the dead? Do the dead rise up and praise you? So, like, there's no polite pretense here. They're they're coming before God with raw emotion. There's honesty. They're offering up to God their questions about their anger, their confusion, their pain. They're not having a good day. But the good news is that when we're not having a good day, We too can have that reaction. We don't have to stop and go, oh, no, I've got to shut it down and can't ever have any anger or confusion. No, that's not the Christian way. Because you can cry out to God and know you're not alone, that other people have been through those situations or something similar or worse. But it's about how do we keep faith through those moments? How do we turn it around? And then if we look at the very next psalm, Um, Psalm 89, it actually shows us the journey of what our reaction needs to be out of that. So the start of it starts with, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. The Lord said, I have made a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I have sworn this oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever. They will sit on your throne from now until eternity. So, out of the pit of despair, when everything is crumbling down around us, we're called to fix our eyes on God and remember and speak the promises he has made. You know, we're turning our eyes and saying, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. We're not just sitting in that, God, why me? But we're actually turning our eyes. And then the next psalm, it continues, and it's the only one that's titled A Psalm of Moses. So it's again, it's that story. And he says, Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. It's another reminder that before even God's promise to David about, you know, that he would have established your descendants as kings forever. Before Israel ever even had a king, God was Israel's king. He was calling them to remember that wherever they are, wherever they find themselves, whatever situation they're in, that God is still with them. But the Israelites need to be reminded of this a lot. Um, Like we see so many examples of them losing trust and losing faith in God, especially in his promises, which is crazy when you think about some of the stories that happen. So, you know, they, Moses leads them out of slavery in Egypt. There's that beautiful moment of the Red Sea and them being, escaping and it crushing their enemies. You think trust, all-time high. Like, we literally just escaped slavery and God destroyed our enemies. Good. But what, what happens? They, they, they don't trust. They, they get stuck wandering around the desert because they don't trust. They spend 40 years wandering around and then, you know, we have these pictures of, you know, God provides manna from heaven for them every day. And so what do they do? They start stockpiling it because what if he doesn't provide it tomorrow? Have you seen him? Have you seen what he does? He's constantly providing for them. But no, don't trust him. And then Exodus 32, Moses goes up to speak to God on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, and he takes a little bit too long. So the Israelites who are left decide to melt down all the gold jewelry and build a golden calf to worship instead. Like, these people, (laughs) I don't know what to do with them, but (laughs) the good news is it's not our job to do that. But then, you know, the promise to go to the promised land, they even get there and they see these giants and they're like, it's a bit too scary, God. You know, you've done all these other miracles for us, but I guess this is one step too far and they just back away and run away. But then, like, fast forward and we get David he trusted God, and what does he say when he's faced with a giant in Goliath? In 1 Samuel 17, he says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So David trusted God and considered God faithful, that he would live in those promises. And so then David's response was faithfulness to God, and he walked in that trust. And so that's why it's really interesting that God's covenant promise to David is that his line will be the line of faithful kings that will endure forever. And this faithful king that's going to come will be the source of trust and stability for others forever. And so you get this great promise and there's a period of peace, but then you know things go wrong again and you know, the kingdom crumbles and it doesn't take long for the kings to start losing their trust in God. And it all starts falling apart, and they all start questioning again, is God trustworthy? Is he faithful? Because, you know, things didn't go the way I wanted all the time, essentially. But I think this is where it gets really interesting. Because if we throw back to Pastor Chris's message a few weeks ago when he was talking about the Gospels, and all those links between, you know, what happens in the Gospels and what happens in the past. So the, the New Testament starts Matthew one. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. So at the start of the New Testament, it is literally telling us to have faith in how trustworthy God is, because the Gospel writer is saying that Jesus is that promised king to come, who will unite all people to become part of Abraham's family, to fulfill the promise of David about being that line of rulers, fulfilling the promise to Abraham of blessing and descendants. So through Jesus, all the nations are invited into a trusting relationship with God. In other words, God's faithfulness to his people is accomplished through Jesus. And because God has shown himself through Jesus, we are then called to place our trust in Jesus. And we see that all through the New Testament. Despite these wonderful stories and there's all these obstacles that people have, they still have trust in Jesus. There's the Gentile centurion who appeals to Jesus to heal his servant. And he's like, oh, but I don't want you to come to my house. And Jesus like, yeah, cool. So you you trust that I'll do it? Cool. I don't need to come. Your faith has healed this person. Then there's the Jewish synagogue leader whose daughter was dying. And they're all trying to get there. And Jesus like, she's alive. Like, And he tells her to wake up. And he's like, it's the faith. And then there's the woman who was deemed... You know, with the issue of blood, who's following around in the crowd and grabs his robe. And Jesus like, who has touched me? And it was like, it is your faith that has healed you. And then there's the blind men who actually see Jesus as this king, as this promised king in Matthew nine twenty-seven, It says, after Jesus left the girls' home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. In all of these stories, we see Jesus healing people because of their demonstration of their faith and trust in him. So we've seen it all through the Old Testament and Israel's history and you know, his trusting God despite the odds. And then in the New Testament, it's centred on the theme of people trusting in Jesus, who is God, become human. Now, I know like, it's a bit of a stretch to you know, trust Jesus if you don't know Jesus. So that's, that's an important step we need to do. So if you're online and that's not a relationship you have if you don't know Jesus there'll be the raise hand button in chat and you can just press that and one of our team will pray with you and teach you how to walk with Jesus. And if you're here and you want that after the service, there'll be people down the front. I'll be down the front here and we're happy to talk with you and pray you through that because it's so important to have that knowledge of who Jesus is so then we can have that trust and have those promises and walk in that faith. Because when we're having issues with trust or we're doubting or even before we get into those moments sometimes, Or, you know, when we're in the middle of it, like, it's really important that we need to take action. We need to ask ourselves a question, maybe preemptively, of, like, what are the fears or doubts that are inside us that are holding us back from trusting God? Is it that you've had something happen? Like, specifically work out what it is. But then, instead of living in that fear or replaying those fears... We need to shift our focus to God and ask ourselves, like, what actually comes to mind when we start to remember God's trustworthy character? So, if it's that, I don't think God would, you know, heal me because he doesn't love me. No, God is compassionate, God is loyal in his love. So, we need to remember and know those characteristics of God that he is compassionate, that he is merciful. That he is patient and slow to anger. That he is abounding in his love for us. That he is faithful, that he is constant through the ages. Because we know that Jesus loves us and he leads all who trust in him into an experience of God's promises. But we know that that road isn't always easy, but it does lead to life. So my question for you today is, what is one step you can take today to trust and follow Him? So it's not about uprooting your entire life and changing everything about what's happening and changing your reactions to everything that possible that could go wrong. But what is that one small thing you can do? Maybe it's when something goes wrong, rather than focusing on the situation. Turn your eyes to God and His character and look at what does, who does He say He is in that moment. Because if you're not seeing it in that moment, maybe that's where you need to be putting your attention. Or maybe we need to be asking God in those moments for understanding about, you know, God, tell me, how are you working in this moment? How are you giving life in the middle of my suffering? Ask Him for those things. You're allowed to. Like we've seen in the Psalms, we're allowed to cry out to God and say, Why God? Why is this happening? What are you doing? because when we find it difficult to trust God in the darkest moments of our stories we're invited to follow that example of the psalmist we too can come to God with our despair with our questions with our anger and confusion we don't have to pretend to be at peace when we're not God isn't angry at us for asking why he's not annoyed by our tears we can trust him with our broken pieces Because as that psalmist showed us in the middle of our pain we can remember we can recall the works and the character and the promises of God we can trace his faithfulness in our lives and we can remember how he has been trustworthy a reliable, steadfast and unchanging rock and in these psalms we see that crying out is an example of trust God is someone we can cry out to we don't need to put on a front for him For the, for the psalmist, their hope was in this promised future king. But we've seen that promise come. That king has come. The faithfulness of God was already delivered in Jesus. And because of Jesus, we can then hope and look forward. Because throughout the story of the Bible, humans, we've seen it, repeatedly unfaithful. God, repeatedly Faithful. The pattern of God's faithfulness through Scripture is something we can cling to, something we can hold on to. Because we see it in the New Testament, even when humans struggle to trust, God, Jesus is still trustworthy, and He responds with compassion. So in our situations, what we're invited to do is to join Abraham and David and the people of God in trusting that God is overflowing with faithfulness. Our challenge is to trust that He is faithful even when we aren't. So I encourage you that we don't want to be like the Israelites, and you know measure the giant in front of us, but we should be measuring the God who is with us. And one last thing, I just I really loved the song we sang this morning, "Good Grace," um, and one of one of the lines in the chorus really stuck with me, and I just want it to be my prayer over you today. So if you can just close your eyes, I'm just gonna read it over you because it's so important. It says, Take courage. Hold on. Be strong. And remember where our help comes from. Take courage. Hold on. Be strong. And remember, remember where our help comes from. Thank you, Cody.